From the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Each week, we bring you in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in filmmaking. It's February 17th, 2016. I'm Mike Lodemark, one of the show's producers. Today, you'll hear a recent free talk with avant-garde cinema pioneer Jonas Mikas. Like all of our free talks, the evening was sponsored by HBO. To see a full schedule of free events, including upcoming talks with Isabelle Uppert and Julie Delpy during this year's Rendezvous with French Cinema, visit filmlink.org free. Jonas Mikas is a name synonymous with alternative film culture in New York City. In addition to his prolific work as a director, Mikas has also been an integral figure in the exhibition and promotion of experimental film. He founded Film Culture magazine in 1954, the Filmmakers Cooperative in 1962, and the Filmmakers Cinematheque in 1964, which went on to become anthology film archives. Two of his pivotal works, Lost, 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 and Walden, were recently released on Blu-ray by Kino Lorber. Last week, Mikas joined Film Society programmer Dan Sullivan in front of a packed house in our amphitheater to talk about his diverse career, film culture in New York, experimental cinema, and more. Let's go now to their conversation. Okay, so um, to get things uh, rolling here, uh, wanted to talk to you about uh, film culture, uh, both, I suppose, the publication and uh, film culture, um, when you arrived, I was hoping you could talk a bit about when you arrived in New York and sort of the film culture that you found here, or the lack thereof. No one was more pivotal than you were in uh, pushing for uh, stronger, more interesting, and more vibrant film culture. Um, can you talk a bit about that and maybe any models that you looked to that informed what you wanted to do? Okay. I came to uh, New York in uh, late 49, but uh, the city was full already of film uh, societies and places to see any variety of film that you wanted to see. You could always find a place. If you want to see film that nobody is showing anymore, uh, like uh, in in all the kind of dead formats, you went to Theodore Huff Society. If you wanted to see the contemporary in 1949, uh, what? in those days was known experimental film, non-commercial, independent films done in on the West Coast or East Coast, you went to Cinema 16. If you wanted to see classics of uh, commercial classics, public cinema classics, or the avant-garde of the 20s, uh, European, uh, you went to Museum of Modern Art. If you were of uh, left persuasion, uh, 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 Trotskyite or uh, Marxist, you went to the club cinema on 6th Avenue and uh, 10th Street, somewhere there. 
And so it went. There were many, many different places. And there were many people, you know, after the screenings, wanted to talk about, discuss, argue. But there was no, uh, no forum. There was one min miserable publication called uh, uh, Films in Review. England had sight and sound and the uh, sequence. France already had Cahiers du Cinema, and we had this miserable films in review, and occasional very good uh, leftist, very, very far left publication, occasional, like just uh, only like 16 pages, small type, film sense, that was very good. And once every two years, the University of Southern California used to issue what was known as the Hollywood Film Quarterly. So, of course, myself, my brother, I mean, we met young, you know, filmmakers, uh, those who wanted to write and argue and discuss, exchange ideas. So I said, why don't you, it's time to bring out a magazine. And that's from necessity. It came into existence. We began publishing it from sheer necessity. Same as whatever I did in New York since my arrival in New York. I did only from necessity. Uh, why do anything if it's not needed? <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the beginning. And of course, then. Uh, I, <clears throat> I, as I was uh, chatting, meeting uh, young, uh, well, you know, writers, somebody from Columbia University said, oh, you're publishing, this was uh, after the first issue came out, said, oh, you have, you're publishing a magazine. I have two crazy students. One had just demolished uh, Bat <laughs> Potomkin, and the other one had just demolished the uh, uh, cabinet of Dr. Caligari. There were students at the School of Journalism at Columbia University. I said, I won them. One of them was Andrew Saris, the other one was Eugene Archer. So from issue number two, Number three, or Andrew Saris, or he was a part of, and uh, and then there was another. They met somebody who was trying to to do some theater, uh, stage Tennessee Williams, uh, uh, and uh, uh, and then after the the the, the performance. Uh, we start, began talking about cinema. Said, oh, 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 yes, I want to do some writing. That was Peter Bogdanovich. And uh, so it went. It grew and what it, you know, and became history, I guess. And um, so then the voice against nobody was writing. Uh, the already screenings, a lot was happening, and nobody. And many of those events, nobody knew where and when. I knew about it because I knew everything. I was, <laughs> I was starved, starved when I came from after the war, 
uh, you know, I was starved for everything, anything. So I knew everything what, that what was happening. So I said, okay, if nobody is uh, writing, nobody's bringing it to the attention of those who want to see it, then I have to do it. That's, that was the, then I went to the Village Voice, said, how come no, you don't have a film column? Uh, that was in 58. He said, oh, there's nobody who wants to do it. So do you want to do it? I said, sure, I will do it. So that was the beginning from necessity. Uh, and et cetera, et cetera. You may have some other questions. <laughs> but, you know, and the same with this Filmmaker Cinematheque, the same with Anthology Film Archives, down the line, always from necessity. Somebody had to do it, and nobody. Same like with film culture, with the issue. <laughs> I had, of course I had no money, but I persuaded Franciscan monks in Brooklyn to, uh, and they had, a, uh, they had a printing shop. I said, please, could you publish, print it, the issue, first issue, because it will sell. Of course, I will, you know, I pay the bill immediately. Of course, it did not sell, and they took me to court. <laughs> they poor, you know, you, you got people of God, Franciscan monks, and how can you do that to me? Take me to court. They took me to court on second, and the courthouse was on the corner of Second Avenue and Second Street, the present home of anthology film archives. That it was a prison with 16 prison cells and a courthouse before it was given, they gave it up eventually. So, and so I have to bring out issue number two. So I tell to my editorial board, said, hmm, I have to go to the court, and one of them says, you mean you have no money for at least five issues? How can you start a magazine without having money at least for five issues? I said, no, I don't, I don't have any, any. Yeah, so that's how things are done. Um, would you mind uh, uh, saying a bit more about the movie, the movies journal uh, column? It's um, it's really fascinating reading it, uh, <coughs> reading it now. And I, w I was curious, generally, how you think about the place of your. You see, I was not a film critic. I was uh, like, uh, if my position was to inform what was being screened, shown, or in the area of, actually, at the very beginning, I had to cover the, all as forms of cinema. Uh, and I was reviewing all the Nouvelle Vague, etc. Later, when it became too much, too much uh, was happening in the independent area, I could not cover both. It's at that time that I brought in uh, Andrew Saris. I said, you, here it is, why don't we split? You cover the public cinema so that I could, will have, then I will have more time to cover the independence. And that's, uh, uh, but I was not, uh, I was writing only about the films 
that I liked. Uh, uh, so I was like enthusiast. <laughs> I was not a film critic. <laughs> I wanted people to know why I'm excited, excited about this film. What is there? I wanted them also get excited about it. What's all about? What is the film all about? It's not always that clear what the film is all about. But one, but one can get very excited about films that you have no idea what the film is all about. Especially when you leave the area of the narrative cinema. When it begins, the narrative cinema begins to go into the next branch, non-narrative forms of cinema. Cinema, Because cinema is a big tree with many different branches. It's like literature, like any other art on one, and uh, all the narrative forms on the other, you know, non-narrative forms. And sometimes it's not even clear when uh, <laughs> Ulysses, uh, Homer, you know, epic uh, forms of literature, of uh, its poetry and narrative adventure, uh, so. And speaking of which, I think uh, as of late, you've been... Uh, By the way, the, so the, the movie journal, which uh, contain movie journal uh, in, in, in 70, somewhere there, Doubleday issued a selected volume. And uh, I think this spring, Columbia University is issuing a new edition of it. So it will be again available. Um, so for many years now, you've been quite open to uh, the, the internet as a forum on which um, cinema and film culture can happen. Um, <coughs> I was hoping, you, could you just reflect generally on film culture now? So it's it's more global than ever, but it's also more dispersed and perhaps less principled. No, the methods, the tools of making moving uh, images have changed, and the same, uh, the dissemination, and once the tools change, the, the content and form change, uh, and of course, and the dissemination, the methods of distribution, dissemination. Uh, so we are completely somewhere else, beginning with the, you know, the vid video coming in and all the digital forms. Now, now we are uh, completely somewhere else. And it's uh, uh, much easier, of course. I mean, e any, any of you, I mean, it's, uh, uh, all of us carry cameras now with us, one camera or two cameras in our pockets. It's that, that easy and that simple. Uh, <laughs> and then you can put it on, uh, you can, you make, your, you take a picture, you, you uh, film, tape, tape something, and three minutes later it's, it can, you know, it's already in Tokyo and in San Paulo, and uh, it's not, uh, <laughs> it, when we were making films in the 60s, 50, late 50s, 60s, uh, 
Nobody wanted even to distribute them. They were in, in, in New York, uh, there were like three or four film distributors, and they had their own tastes, and uh, uh, what, uh, what you could see depended on the taste of four distributors, uh, the people who ran those organizations. So they looked at our work, and they, and they said, no, we don't know. Your films are just bad films. They're just badly made. They're, they're stupid. Uh, so we said, okay, you don't want our films. We don't need you. We'll create our own distribution center. And in January 62, we created our own distribution. We got together, uh, film, and created film makers cooperative and it still exists and that through the filmmakers cooperative that we invaded <laughs> the country we created our own system we bypassed you don't want us okay we'll develop our own uh, venues our own uh, we bypassed them and, and two years later we had like like 5,000 venues, all the colleges, universities, museums. Uh, they were you know, part of our network. We did not need commercial distribution. So we have, and today, of course, it's even better. Uh, Anybody is free to put anything anything you want. You can put it on website. I think we should take some questions from the audience. And I, we're, we have uh, essential cinema. Uh, we are talking now about ontology film archives. There was a chance in 1970, around that time, to to uh, 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 was offered a place at the public theater. That's uh, uh, you know corner of. 8th Avenue in Lafayette, uh, uh, space and, and complete sponsorship uh, to create a, 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 like a special collection of, uh, of very carefully selected repertory of, uh, of cinema. Because it was uh, around 1970, we had already even just if we forget Europe, the, 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 uh, the 20s and 30s and into the 40s, already here between San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York, there was a huge body uh, of, of, of independently made non-narrative and narrative cinema that was like outside of the commercial uh, uh, public cinema. And those uh, living in, uh, in smaller towns, in smaller universities in some distant state, uh, had no access. They could not have, uh, they did not have any idea, you know, from, okay, they look at the filmmakers' cooperative catalog. There are like 400 filmmakers. There are, you know, 2,000 films. What should we show? And, okay. In 1960, when Maya Deren was traveling across the country promoting her films, promoting the, uh, again, in those days, they called it experimental, okay, experimental avant-garde cinema, there were only like 10, 15 
universities, 10, 15 universities, colleges available to her. In 1970, 10 years later, when the American Film Institute published the first like, catalog of the film uh, classes and film departments across the country, there were 1,200 universities and colleges with film classes, film departments, with about 22,000 different uh, classes. So that, uh, there was this explosion, explosion, and each of those places wanted to show some examples of what was being done. Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol, Kenneth Tanger, Brackage, no, uh, Brackage, 100 films, or, or uh, which ones to show. So to, uh, they used to, they attacked me every day. I used to receive four, five, six calls. You know, could you prepare, you know, for us a little program and, and tell where to get so that we can show them because students are demanding. So I did it one time, I did it, two, I did it maybe 100 times, and I said, that's enough. Why don't we get together, like, uh, and it ended up like five of us, and we select, we, uh, like a repertoire, to select the best examples of what has been done in cinema until this moment, according to our best judgment. And then when we receive a call from a university in Texas or Nebraska, we, we send that list and say, on this list, any film on this list has contributed something new, important to the art of cinema. You can show any of them, just. So that was the reason, and that's how the essential cinema repertory collection came into existence and, and became the basis of anthology film archives. And we used to run it, screen it again and again. It, uh, the first selection was uh, that we ended up before our uh, sponsor died. And that's, that was the end of the project, Jerome Hill. Uh, because he paid for all of the prints, he paid for the building of a very special theater, etc., etc. In any case, we ended up with like 110 different programs. The idea was to continue. To, uh, the, uh, the idea was that this will be a tool of exploring in different areas as, as time as goes, as we move ahead. Uh, so it was not uh, 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 something that would just be those 110 programs. It was an open-ended project, but it became just 110 after Jerome Hill's, Hill's death. The foundation that sponsored the project discontinued us immediately. Do you, support. Do you still um, hold the view, which was expressed in the manifesto for the essential cinema, that the that cinema is a primarily 
uh, visual medium and that informs so what, what do you think what do you think it is they don't care what I think they want to know what you think <laughs> you think it's sound but you, you know you I, I don't think they, I, I don't episode. think uh, uh, the answer is needed there but uh, on the other hand you see we, we, uh, we c it's easier to say what it is not than what it is uh, because one you begin to define that you know uh, cinema is movement uh, then then you are immediately in trouble because uh, 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 how do you see a painting? You, the eye is not made up to see the whole, every detail simultaneously. The eye travels. Uh, you have uh, or, uh, like movement in time. You can, uh, the same in uh, painting. You have you need, uh, perception, appreciation of a painting is in time, and uh, and <laughs> you have <laughs> movement and time. Uh, uh, or you can argue with it, but it's uh, it's more complicated than uh, than that. Uh, yes, to me, uh, uh, if I want to do, uh, try to do, but there is a uh, there is a tool. Uh, there is the camera. Then there are. Uh, uh, there is another tool, or maybe the same camera, like in the early days of cinema, can also be the one that projects. There is uh, something in what you on some surface, maybe the, on which you project, and uh, uh, there are some just some basics, and then there are so many variations. You not you don't necessarily need a camera. Uh, or we don't necessarily need a film. I mean, maybe just a shadow play. I mean, it's uh, where do you put uh, really uh, the limit or beginnings? Uh, uh, I prefer to have it very, very open-ended with no, no firm definitions. With all of these phone cameras and everyone making videos everywhere all the time now, what what do you feel needs to be explored in cinema? How can we keep it being innovative? What areas? Why do we want to explore? Why why it has to be explored? I suppose as an artist, I have a passion to always break the form and try and. Um, you don't do it because there is a necessity for you to do. You think there is a necessity? Do really seriously think you you do what you do? Now I'm talking to you because you want real to explore or not because you have this drive and necessity and you, 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 if you don't do it, you, go, you, will go, you will go crazy. You have to do it. You? Yeah, I will go crazy if I don't carry on doing it, yeah. I suppose then it's a silly question, just <laughs> keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, 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 no, I don't think art has anything to do with exploration. Art, that means that that includes cinema. But again, you see, we are talking. Uh, uh, said that the cinema is a big, like a big tree, with many different branches. So you can tell stories. You can write. You can make a poem, a long poem or a short poem, a haiku. But you can also. Uh, 
There is a journalistic branch, there is the news, the, uh, and, and in the uh, one branch of the, in, the uh, in this big journalistic uh, branch is also could be exploration, you know, exploring something. So that, that is, you know, it's part of, uh, but, not, but not every, <laughs> every piece of work that one does is, you know, has to explore anything. It's just there. You just make it and you don't even know why you make it. I don't know why I make what I make. Are you working on something specific now? I know you're always working, but are you? What are you doing now? <clears throat> right now, I'm trying to build a library on top of the current anthologies uh, building, corner of Second and Second, Manhattan. I'm trying to build a library for paper materials. Six million project. I'm collecting money to build. <laughs> I only think now for a year or two only I will think about money. Six million, because we have all those paper materials, books, periodicals, uh, and documentation that come with the films, come from uh, filmmakers die like anybody else, from the estates, from the, and, and many, much of it is in boxes, not available to researchers, to scholars. So we, ha and, and we have a library, but it's very tiny. So I need, a, we will build during the next two, three years, a library, and then you will, uh, it will be available. And uh, it will be, I think, the largest library on cinema in United States, maybe anywhere, or books and periodicals and documentation. So come to my help, those who can. I need you. And of course, I and, and, and do many other smaller things, same time. Uh, yeah. I have a show going now in, in Italy, in Brescia, where like installation of, uh, I do a lot of uh, work with uh, f frames that I pull out from my films. I make prints, I make, uh, what I have in Brescia is really panels of, frames printed on glass and it's like uh, there are 32 panels there it, and before Brescia it was in Venice and it was in a at a uh, in a it, 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 the windows were covered with them so it was like a, like a cathedral of, as the light went through there film frames. So I do the things like that. And, uh, and I put, once a week at least, I put a new piece on my website. Uh, my website, uh, if those who do not know it, Jonas, Macas, Films, dot com. You can, you can see a lot there. I don't know why I do it, but I do it. Because you have to. Because I have to. <laughs> we have a question. Yes. After all these years, haven't you talked about an aesthetic of some sort? I don't know, through no. film? 
You have never done anything. No, like I leave that? it. I leave it to the to French <laughs> and the universities. And yes, my my job is. I'm a maker. I like making things, doing things, and, and uh, analysis, discussion, where and why and why. I leave it to academics and to all the others. That's not my job. I'm not interested in it. But I'm interested if I see something exciting. That's why I started screen, began filmmaker cinematheque. I began screening immediately. I ran away from Williamsburg, ended up in Orchard Street and in the spring of 53. I already had screenings in uh, the, actually the first gallery, downtown gallery east, was on First Avenue and Houston. So I joined that gallery and began screenings there. Because if I see something that I like, I don't really, don't really enjoy it unless I can share it with others. So I had to begin to show to create showcases, we'll make a cinematheque anthology so that uh, I could share my passions with others. From, okay, that's a personal necessity, but also a necessity to all my colleague filmmakers to have a place to show films. Uh, the irony, really, that now we have anthology film archives. Now, it, well, when we, uh, we opened in 1970, there were still some places that were independent and so-called art films, the film, the kind that you can see sort of at film forum these days. There were many other places still available, not that many, but five or six. Now, we have only film forum, now they're beginning again, like to, to, to I, I'm hearing, and uh, like to open. But for quite some time, Anthology Film Archives was about the only one for independents who had some other ambitions, not only well, poetry, but to tell stories and eventually maybe end up in, in Hollywood or Chinechita or. It, uh, it, it was available, I made it available for them. Hundreds of them went through, during these 30, 40 years through, uh, pre presented their first features at Anthology Film Archives. Now the irony of this is that Anthology Film Archives <coughs> was created by the avant-garde, by the independent, by the poets, but we are nice to those who want to end up in Hollywood. We, we, made, we, we were generous, but those who are, once they go to Hollywood, they're not generous. They don't help us. They don't help us at all. Now when I'm building up, trying to build a library, none of them are coming to my help. None. So again, the avant-garde will build the library, and then the, uh, the educators and the, the commercial people is, oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are books about us. 
you know, people will come and study books about them. That's nice, but they're not going to help me. Question. Mr. Bet we are generous. We don't care. Mr. Mikis, you have more energy, imagination, and vision than people half your age. What's your secret? Uh, I'm a normal case. <laughs> I consider that uh, there is nothing special about neither about my energy nor, nor any, anything, because I'm the normal case. It's all the others I consider are abnormal cases. <laughs> so let's leave it at that. If you take uh, one of, just one of the projects that you did and maybe uh, think about what was in your mind and how it came to happen and what you were thinking. Very, the answer is very simple. There was nothing in my mind. Nothing usually, okay, filmmakers in my tech or film culture. There was a necessity. There, uh, everybody, all my friends were telling me, oh, we need a magazine, we need a magazine so we can argue and uh, yeah. So yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Uh, but there is no, uh, uh, no big thinking <laughs> was needed there. Uh, 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 the same with, uh, from necessity, from desperation, the, the, the essential cinema collection came from desperation. I did it in self-defense, trying to gain time for myself. Otherwise, I would be spending time preparing those lists, answering questions, calls from universities, from desperation, from self-protection. No, it's no plan. I never, I, I don't need, I never plan anything. There are too many plans around me. Everybody has a plan. No, no, no plans, no. Uh, I actually I have no big uh, plan for how to get those six million, uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, angels have been always on my side. I'll I make angels work. Uh, every time I try like to work to work out some some kind of plan, it comes out stupid. So then I give, just give up. And I to do what has to be done. And uh, okay, now I told you, and the news is uh, out. From you. There are 70 people here. You should tell, you know, because all the others, there will be then already 200 people who will know uh, and that uh, the library must be built. I don't need it for myself. No. It's for. I want to honor all those who made films and all the friends, all my friends, many of them are not even here anymore, but their work must be preserved, protected, made available. So I, I do it for them. Uh, same as, you know, the whole civilization, the whole culture. I think we have to respect and honor those who did everything before us to you know, to bring us to some state of civilization, and uh, yes, all them poets, all the saints, all the minnesingers. 
Mr. Mikas, um, I'm over here. This, I'm sorry. Here. <laughs> I have a question. What would you say to your 50-year-old self if you could talk to him back then? What advice would you give him or what would you tell him about life? <clears throat> I have no advice. <laughs> no, no advice. Uh, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and it's always, you know, individual and personal. There is no general advice that you can give to all <laughs> humanity or to 60, 70 people. We all have our own uh, lives and... Uh, uh, no, no. What's your life we, we philosophy? We're trying to impose against... I'm against... I don't want to impose... Uh, uh, <laughs> like trying to impose your ideas that all the what's wrong in the world is trying to impose one or other kind of idea on others and if it doesn't work you know you tell and they don't do that then you get a gun if that doesn't work then you get a tank if that doesn't work you get an atom bomb you know and, and so I have no advice. You have no advice. Live I guess here. I yes. was just asking what your life philosophy is. Then. Uh, no philosophy. None. none. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. I just try to do minute, second by second, every second. I know that what I do this moment determines the next moment. So that's already enough of a responsibility to think that what I do now, what I say now, is part of what will be the next moment of... of uh, Okay, humanity. I mean, I believe in the in the butterfly wing theory. I mean, everything affects everything else. What a responsibility! Then, so that's enough. Yeah, thank you. Do we have any other questions? I'll ask one. I don't think yeah. you're going to answer it because it doesn't seem like you like to answer questions. I answered so far. I answered every question. That's all right. Ah, you see, you don't agree with my I, I, answers. I don't mind. I don't you mind. don't consider them answers, but well, they are. I, I, I think I'm too shallow to... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you something really serious. I'm in my mid-50s. I'm a psychiatrist. I think. And my, I was very, I, I, very serious I, I, until... You, I, I, I'm being light with you. No, if you're a psychiatrist, I, psychiatrist well, you should be more serious. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. I, okay. Well, I, I tell you that because... I think about life like most of us here, and we get lost in our lives doing what we do, and yeah. and yet we love here we love film, and we we have the fantasy of making a film. And my my one question would be, what what would you do to encourage someone like me to foray into that world? I would discourage you to go into it. <laughs> Well, that, there you go. That's an answer. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, because you, you, you freed up a lot of my time. Yeah, Thank because you. you have your uh, your area in which you are, uh, uh, you are doing something in the area which in you, which you studied, uh, and why why uh, unless there is some real necessity in to, for in, uh, you to go into it, then nobody can stop you anyway. You will go into it, but just to uh, okay, now I should go either there or there. Uh, that, 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 that makes no sense. In, that's why I say, don't, I would try to discourage first. And if you really have urge, you will dismiss what I say and you will do it anyway. You see? 
and if you think that what I just said is not serious, then, then let it be not serious. What? And I don't want to see to be serious. And what is it? This thing serious? <laughs> serious, serious. I will think about it. Do we have anyone else? Uh, really? Uh, you can have as many as uh, until they throw me out. Uh, you can. Uh, uh, I was curious um, when you go, say, to cities in Europe. Um, what is your experience of the film culture there as compared to here? That's too big a question. Too big a question. Like, uh, uh, you see, there, w w uh, there is history of cinema, and, and then the cinema of today, and one has to really be uh, follow what's happening here and follow what's happening there to be able to answer a question like that. It would be pretentious for me to, to, to really I know that it's very active there and it's very active here. Uh, like there are certain little things I know that there is a lot of uh, still interest maybe was is even now more than in New York, like in Paris on to use what's left of the film stock uh, to use the, to, to make films instead of video, eight millimeter. There is more activity of that kind in Europe than here. Maybe uh, there are more eight millimeter uh, stock available there than here. Uh, details, little things like that. But the excitement of cinema, and of course in, in Paris, I don't think uh, it's difficult to replace, uh, uh, to get more ec excitement on cinema than you can find in Paris. I think it was always so, it's so now, and it will be always so. I think, uh, uh, <laughs> of course, there is Hollywood, and, uh, and uh, but I think that when it comes to excitement, talking about cinema, it's, it's, it's French. Um, what was the last movie that got you really excited? The Meadow, the channels, television, the Meadows, uh, 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 racial Meadows, <laughs> presentation on television of uh, what's happening in Flint. I think it was such an amazing journalistic uh, 10 minutes. I mean, she has to get Pulitzer Prize for it, absolutely, uh, of, of, of the tragedy of Flint that it uh, wipes out anything else that I know that I have seen. If uh, from other forms, other forms of uh, the, 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 the five hours long film by Boris Lehmann from, uh, from Brussels, which I saw like a year ago, is, 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 a, is a masterpiece. But nobody wants to show it in New York. Even when I saw it at, uh, mic at Microscope Gallery, there were just five of us. 
Mm. But Boris Lemar was there and he screamed and was happy that at least five people came. Lehman, Lehman, yes. Great f filmmaker. Great film. So there are films being made. And he makes it on film, not, not on video. Let's leave it there. Thank you, Jonas. Close Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>